Good morning, church. Y'all can do better than that. Good morning, church. Good morning. I'm going to ask that you stand as the word of God is read this morning. I'll be reading from the first chapter of John, starting at verse 35. And the text reads as follows. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. And they followed Jesus. I want to tell you this morning, I've come up against a lot of opposition this week. I know the enemy doesn't want you to hear the word of God this morning. Whether it was physically not feeling well, various challenges, we got up this morning and the van wouldn't start. But God is good. We got any other vehicle and we're here. So I want to pray right now. I want to ask you just in agreement to do something a little bit unusual to extend your hand towards this pulpit. Just as a sign that we're all on the same page as we ask the Lord, ask the Holy Spirit to engulf this place this morning. Amen. Father God, we come before you, Lord, with the purpose of worshiping you. Lord God, you give us your word, and uh, we thank you for it. We ask that you bind the devil in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would bind any distractions. Lord God, that you would bind anything that would take away from your word this morning, coming forth and ministering to the body. Lord, I pray that you would lose wisdom. Lord God, that you would lose faith that you would lose peace, that you would lose joy, that you would lose love this morning. And at the end of the day, Lord, that you would be glorified and lives would be changed. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. Amen. You may be seated. I don't know um, if you've ever been in a desperate situation. You've ever been in a desperate situation where you've done all the things that you know to do. And nothing's changing. You've called your homeboy, your homegirl. You're on the phone with them talking about your issue, and the advice that they give you doesn't change your situation. In some cases, you spent money, sought out counselors, and your situation hasn't changed. Some cases you've sought doctors, you've, you've even bought into some of the home remedies, and you're still not changed. In fact, your situation not only has it not changed, but it's gotten worse. What do you do when you're in that situation? I, I can relate to that physically because earlier this year, you guys know that I was hit with a major health issue. And I had all these plans going into the new year. <laughs> this was New Year's Eve. Rochelle and I were getting ready to usher in New Year's. So we were out and about getting ready. We were buying some things and, <clears throat> excuse me, going to different stores. And all of a sudden, I began to feel ill. And it got so intense that it was like somebody had a knife in my stomach. And I couldn't breathe. And for those of you all that know me, know that if I'm going to the hospital, something's wrong. So we rushed to the ER and they began to minister to me. And here was the thing. They couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. 
They were scratching their heads. They were running tests, and they were trying to figure out this thing. And for like two days, I laid in that hospital, and I told Rochelle, I said, I could do this at home. Because here's the thing. I don't know if you all have been to the hospital lately. This was new to me. They have a band that they put on your arm, and they scan that band every time they come in. So in my mind, what I'm hearing is ching, ching, $1,000 for aspirin. Ching, ching, $500 for chicken broth. I was like, I got to get out of here. So I started to feel a little better, and I went home. We got home that evening, and I, we were sitting around, and I was trying to get comfortable, and things went sideways again. I tell you, they get worse. Did y'all hear me? Things could get worse. And so it got so intense, to make a long story short, we had to rush back to the ER, and we just made it in the nick of time. I was in full asthma attack mode. My stomach was aching so bad. And when they got me to the ER, the whole team of doctors and nurses, they all rushed me into the room. And Rochelle and my auntie Judy, they were sitting outside. I could see them. And it was a bunch of white people in the, in the, in the ER ministering to me. And I saw one black lady. And we made eye contact. And I told her, I said, come, 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 come closer. I need to tell you something. I need you because I know you're going to understand this is what I'm thinking. These people are not going to understand me when I tell you this. I need you to give me Benadryl because I'm allergic to all kind of pain medication. I need you to give me as much Benadryl as you have, as you have in this hospital and then give me the highest doses of pain medication you got. And she said, I got you. And she did it. But I was desperate. I was in desperate straits. Some of you all have come here this morning and you're desperate. You might be desperate in regards to your marriage, your issues that you're trying to work through. You might be desperate in regards to your finances. You don't know how you're going to pay the bills. It might be a wayward child that you, you're desperately wanting to see them walk with God. And you're not getting the answers that you, you, you want at this time. Well, I want to encourage you with the scriptures this morning as we look at Luke chapter 8. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. And when you get there, you can say, Amen. Luke chapter 8. We see two desperate individuals. And I love the Gospels and specifically Luke and also Mark because it's action-packed. You see Jesus is doing this whirlwind of ministry. There's all kind of things going on. He's calming the storm. He's casting out uh, 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 demons amongst this demon-possessed man. He's doing all these things, and it's just amazing. It makes you want to pick up some popcorn and start eating as you're reading this. I don't know about y'all. This is good stuff. <coughs> you see, the stuff y'all see on the screen is make-believe. This is real stuff. And so there's a number of people, the crowds are following Jesus. It's almost like he's a rock star. He's like, these, I mean, crowds everywhere he goes. And there were crowds of people that were there for various reasons. Some were there because they were curious. Some were there because they, they really, they just wanted to be in the happening of things. They were there to get their picture so they could put a snap, a, a, a selfie and put it on Facebook with Jesus in the background so they could post it on their Facebook page. There were some that were there that had legitimate needs. But then there were some that were desperate. Let's pick up in the text at verse 40. In Luke chapter 8, it says this. 
Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were waiting for him, and there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at his feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter about 12 years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him, and there was a woman who had an issue who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. Though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately the discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who it, it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowd surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceived that power had gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him and declared in the presence of all people, all the people, why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, do not weep, for she is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once. And he directed that something should be given her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what was happening. Mm. That's a rich text, isn't it? There's some gold nuggets that we want to try to extract from this. And I want to try to build this house. And I need you to understand something. The first, as we build a house, what's the most important part when you're building a house? The foundation. The foundation. Here's the thing we got to understand is that when you're going through a challenge, when you're faced with an issue, you got to go to Jesus. You see, Jairus was a ruler of the synagogue. It was unusual for him. These guys were oftentimes in opposition to Jesus, right? And so it was unusual for him, but this brother was in desperate straits. You see, he didn't care about his reputation anymore. When you're desperate and, and, and you got a situation that you can't change, and I'm pretty sure, now this is just me talking, so I don't want y'all to say I'm not biblical here. I'm pretty sure he exhausted some other means in terms of ministering to his daughter. No parent is just going to stand by and do nothing while that child is sick. So I'm pretty sure he called on some of the other physicians. I'm pretty sure he had, he had some things that he had tried and they did not work. So he was in desperate straits and he understood. He had heard about this man called Jesus and the miracles that he did. And he said, I got to get to Jesus. Now, that seems fundamental for us as believers, right? 
But how many times as we're going through something, the first thing we do is pick up the phone and call our girlfriend. Do you know what my husband said today? Do you know what he did? We call our homeboys and we complain about things, right? But here's the thing. I don't have the physical power to change your situation. <laughs> I could pray for you. But I can't change your situation. For us, it should be a fundamental. This should be automatic for us. Go to the one that can impact your situation. Don't go talking to anybody else. Go to the one that can change your situation, that can turn the whole thing upside down, shake it up, and get you back on the right track. And there is a place for counseling, and God does put other people in your life to encourage you along the way, but ultimately what it comes down to is him having the power to change your situation. We put all our faith in the doctors and all this stuff. I could tell you firsthand, those rascals don't know nothing. We give them too much credit. I shouldn't say they don't know nothing. They spend time in school. But I, I'm going to tell you from experience, I had to go to urgent care last year. I walk in, and the doctor begins to examine me, and she's asking me what I think is wrong with me. If I knew that, why am I coming to talk to you? And I kid you not, she goes out of the room and comes back with some papers that she printed on the, off the Internet. She was guessing. She didn't have the answer. She was guessing in terms of what was wrong with me. They don't, have, they don't have the answer. I'm telling you, we serve somebody that has all the answers. <laughs> Go to him first. That's our foundation. That's our structure. Go to Jesus first. And I'm not saying you give others the cold shoulder. They may be able to help you along the way and minister to you. But go to Jesus first. Jairus understood this. He understood this. But then here's the thing we got to understand. There's a certain way that you got to come to Jesus. There's a certain way. Look at, look at the text and, and, tell, and what it says, what Jairus did. And there came a man named Jairus who was a ruler of the synagogue and falling down at Jesus' feet. He didn't just come with his hand out making a request. He reverenced the Lord, and this was significant for him being a ruler in the synagogue. It was unusual for them to bow down to anybody. Jairus understood that this man has power to do what I cannot do. He's greater than I am. I need to bow down and worship him. We need to give God thanks before we come with our hand out. Give him thanks for what he's done. Give him thanks for what, he, what he's kept you from. Don't just come with your hand out all the time saying, Lord, give me, give me, give me. Sometimes our kids could be like that. Y'all young people out there, you learn to say, thank you, mom and dad. Thank you, so-and-so. We're always trying to teach our kids about saying, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And God wants the same thing from us. Say thank you. Thank you. Appreciate what the Lord has done. It's something to say, hey, can I have, dad, can I have five dollars? You come back the next day, Dad, can I have $5? You didn't even thank me for the $5 I gave you yesterday. Learn to have a thankful heart. Jairus understood this. He understood. He referenced who Jesus was. He fell down at his feet. So we need to come to the Lord the right way. The first wall that we want to construct is this. You may have to push through some people. You may have to push through some people. Jairus petitions God. He petitions Jesus to, to go and, and minister to his dying daughter. 
And then Jesus agrees. But as they're going along their way, it says, um, it says this. As Jesus went, the people pressed him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. So as they're traveling along the way, here's this woman. This woman who's trying to get to Jesus. Now, the significance of this is, is that with this issue of blood, everything that she touched was considered unclean. So she didn't care about that. She didn't care about that. The scriptures tell us that the crowd was all around Jesus. She was pressing through. She had to get through because she knew that Jesus, this was her only opportunity. She didn't know when she was going to get this opportunity again. So she didn't care. So she was like, I got to get, I have to get to Jesus. Sister girl was desperate. She said, I have to get to Jesus. And the significance is she, she, she was going to be touching the Lord. It's like, you, you, don't miss that. She didn't, she didn't care about what her situation was. And it was a pretty lonely life that she had led because she couldn't touch anything. She couldn't touch anybody. So she had pretty much had to be by herself. But at this time, she was like, I, 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 have, to, I have to get through this crowd. I have to get to Jesus. I'm telling you, saints of God, when you're going through some things, you might have to push through some obstacles. There might be some things you might have to climb over. There's some things you might have to get under. You might have to go around. Because here's the thing. Satan does not want to see you delivered. He's going to do everything in his power to discourage you. She could have looked at it and said, you know what? It's too many people. I, 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 I ain't got, maybe I'll see Jesus another day. No way. She said, this is my opportunity right here, right now. I've been dealing with this thing for 12 years. I'm tired. I want to be healed. Sister girl wasn't going to let anything stop her. Sometimes just when we're about to get delivered, we give up. God is saying, come on, keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. Come on, come on, come on, come on. I'm ready to do this thing for you. Keep coming. I just, and then we give, we, we hit a little bit of adversity and we give up. Keep pressing on, saints. But see, oftentimes when you're desperate, you don't care. <laughs> you don't care how you look. You don't care how you smell. You don't care how your hair looks. I'm going to use an illustration that I don't know nothing about. <laughs> Ladies, when you delivering a baby, I heard, I, I, I've been through it four times. I heard my wife and the ladies in the maternity ward screaming and hollering. None of them is looking in the mirror and saying, how's my hair look? I ain't hear none of them say that. Get this thing out. I want it out now. They were desperate. All the ladies looking at me like you. You don't know what you're talking about. Mama said that's true. My racket said that's true. That's true. You don't care about nothing. You want them babies out of you. Get this pain over with. Right? Sister girl was desperate. There might be some obstacles that you might have to push through, and I want to encourage you to keep pushing on. Don't give up. The second thing, second wall that we want to construct is this. 
Don't get discouraged when others are blessed before you. Jairus had made his request before this lady came on the scene. And here it is, and the, the scripture doesn't tell us what he was thinking, but I know what I would have been thinking. Hey, Jesus, ain't nobody got time for this. You could get to my house and then come back and deal with this lady later. I made my request first. I was first in line. Nobody likes a line butter. Nobody likes a line butter. Anybody ever been buttered in line before? I just went through this at the DMV. I was waiting to get my license for our new uh, address, and I'm standing in line. I go to the cashier, and she said, no, go over there. <coughs> excuse me. So I go, I go over. Excuse me. And she says, thank you. And she says, uh, this older gentleman just walks right in front of me. And so I just smiled. I didn't say anything. I was thinking some stuff. The flesh was thinking. But I didn't say anything. Then the lady said, you know what, sir? This young man was here before you. You need to go back into the line. And so he tried to look like he didn't know. You knew. You was jumping in front of me. Y'all ever see anybody do that? The line is all long and they come, oh, I'm supposed to go back there? You knew that from the beginning. Nobody likes a line jumper. And this is what this lady does here. She jumps in front of Jairus, and Jairus is like, I don't know, the scripture doesn't tell us what he was thinking, but he was like, Jesus begins to minister to her. And the text goes on to read, it says, she came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately the discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who touched me? And when, he, when all denied it, Peter said, master, the crowd surround you and pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone touched me for I perceived that power had gone out for me. Peter, they were like, Jesus, you tripping. All these people around you, and you talking about who touched you? Everybody's touching you. Said, no, that was Jesus. Said, no, that was some power that went out for me. Somebody got healed. Somebody got healed. And then this woman comes forth, and Jesus tells her, goes on to say, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Remember what I said? Things could get worse. It's about to take a turn for the worse right here. And I, I, I tell you, I, I would have lost my mind at this stage right here. Said while he was, st he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, your daughter is dead. Oh, man, I would have lost my mind. I would have lost my mind at that point. Said, my only daughter of 12 years is dead. Jesus, if you wasn't playing around with this, this woman right here. But see, Jairus, it was important for her to really, for Jairus to actually see this miracle take place. Because what you need to understand is this was a faith builder along the way. This was a faith builder for Jairus. And Jairus needed to see it because he didn't fully understand who Jesus was. Because Jesus didn't have to go to his house to heal him, his daughter. He could have snapped his fingers. He could have just spoke the word. But Jairus didn't unveil. He, he, he kind of understood that there was something special about this man called Jesus. 
but he didn't fully understand who he was, so he needed to see that miracle along the way. This was an encouragement to him to see it along the way. Don't get discouraged when others are blessed. Don't hate on them. Don't hate on them when others are blessed, when others are delivered, and you still in your circumstance. Don't hate on them. Congratulate them. Rejoice with them. Because the same God that was able to move in their life is the same God that can move in yours and will do the same. Let it be a faith builder to you as we look at this second wall. Remember what I said. I'm sorry, the third wall. Remember what I said. Don't get discouraged when others are blessed and you're still waiting in line. Be prepared for the situation also to get worse. I know for me and my health issue, I've been waiting on this thing to turn around. I'm like, Lord, Lord, when is this going to turn around? And I know Oliver Jeffries will probably could, could say the same thing, like, Lord, I've been going through this thing for years. When, Lord, when is my time going to come? But, Oliver, I want to tell you to hold on. <laughs> Jesus will meet you. He's going to meet us at the right time. And sometimes we have to stay in the oven a little bit longer. We got to stay in there to develop a little bit longer. But the Lord will meet us at the right time. Don't get discouraged, saints, with what you're going through. Jesus is going to meet you. The text goes on to read. <clears throat> As they were still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, hearing and answered him, do not fear, only believe. She will be made well. Our fourth wall that we want to construct is when you're going through these challenges, stay focused on Jesus. Don't look at your circumstances. Stay focused on Jesus. Because if you're looking at your circumstances, you won't be able to see Jesus. Stay focused on the Lord. And I've shared this, this before, and I'll share it again. I feel it appropriate. Um, I used to run the Chase Run for Anderson, this charity run down at Grant Park. You all have heard me share some of this, or some of you have heard this. Um, and I didn't train for the race, I'll be honest. Well, I trained a little bit. I got up the day before the race and I did some jumping jacks. I ran in place for about 15 minutes and then I ran two blocks and I was like, I'm good. I'm an athlete, I'm good. And so what I did was I kinda like fabricated my finish time, which put you in different categories. So I was with the elite runners. And so I decided to get in front with the elite runners. And so what I did was, I said, I, you know, I never ran a race before. Um, you know, it's like I got in, I just looked at them and saw what they were doing. So as they would roll their neck, I would roll my neck. They would stretch this way. I would stretch this way. He would put his leg back and do some hamstringy thing. Or I did that. The guy started jumping, so I started jumping. So when the gun went off, they said, on your mark, 
Get set. Pow. These dudes took off full speed. I was running full speed with them. And I, I looked over about two blocks in. I kid you not, my heart said, dude, if you keep running like this, I'm going to stop right now. You fool. We're not prepared for this. We didn't train for this. My lungs said, I'm with your heart. I'm going to be out of here. Keep playing. We're going to stop right now. And here was the thing. I had to make a decision. I had to make a decision because there were thousands of people coming behind me. And so I couldn't, like, go back through all these people. And then I had my wife and my kids at the finish line waiting for me. So it would have been really embarrassing. So I had to make a decision. I said, Brandon, this is what we're going to do. Lord, I need you right now. <laughs> I'm desperate. I need you right now. I'm going to die out here. I said, fool, slow down. <laughs> slow down. So all the people started passing me up and said, the way you're going to get through this, I would pick a sign out and look at that sign. And I would run to that sign. We would turn down another street for the race. I would pick another point out and run to that point. I didn't look at what anybody else was doing, how fast they were running, and none of that. I just kept looking at the sign, and the race would turn, and eventually I saw the finish line, and Rochelle was like, you look like somebody had a knife in your back. You was in so much agony. You look pitiful. I said, you have no idea. <laughs> But what I'm telling you, saints, you have to stay focused on the Lord when you're going through these challenges. What Jesus was telling Jairus here, I need you to keep looking at me, Jairus. Don't, don't, don't look at what, what these other folk are saying. Don't look at what the situation is. I don't care how grave your situation looks, how discouraging and hopeless it looks. When Jesus puts his hand on it, he could turn the whole thing around. The text goes on to read, and when he came to the house, and he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and, father, and the father and mother of the child, and all were weeping and mourning for her, but he said, do not weep, for she is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he said, he called out saying, child, arise. And her spirit returned and she got up at once and he directed that something should be given her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but charged them to tell no one what had happened. I want to tell you right now, saints of God, that there might be some people that you might have to put out. There might, you might need to do some inventory uh, 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 the people in your life that you might have to put out. You might have to ask them, like, you know what? Get on, get on. I'm going to say it anyway. Get on like you've been spit on. I'm going to say it. Pastor, I apologize. I know some of y'all don't understand that kind of talk. That's okay. That's okay. That's what we say in the hood. Get on like you've been spit on. Because, see, here's the thing. When you are going through some stuff, you need some Bible-believing saints to come alongside and encourage you. You don't need no naysayers. And here's the thing. How many disciples was it? There was 12 disciples. Who did Jesus take in? Three. He didn't even take all the disciples in. He said, I need my key people. 
Peter, James, and John, y'all come with me. Y'all come with me. I'm going to encourage you, saints, to, to really take inventory of who you have in your life. And at your time of trouble, you need folk that's going to speak truth into your life to encourage you, not with their opinion. And I can tell you, I thank God for CBF. And, 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 and I remember Lisa Morrison ministering to me while I was in the hospital from this very same text. She said, Brandon, your situation reminds me of the woman with the issue of blood. And if, if Jesus could do it for her, he could do it for you. I thank God for that, Lisa. I thank God I was encouraged. I sat in that bed. I was, I was in tears after they left. I was like, Lord, thank you. That's exactly what I needed to hear at that time. I didn't need somebody telling me, man, you need to think about taking this medication. You need to, to, to think about going see this doctor. No, I needed to hear about the healing power of the Savior, the one and only God that could supersede what the doctors are saying, that could turn my situation around. I didn't need to hear opinions at that time. I needed to hear truth. And I thank God for that. Thank God for that. As we bring this thing to a close, and that was our roof to our structure, do some inventory in terms of who's in your life. I don't know how you came this morning. I don't know what you have, what you're faced with, what challenges you may have, and you may be desperate and you may be frustrated and thinking like, Lord, I don't know how this thing is gonna turn around. It was interesting, I was talking with my daughter Kayla yesterday and I asked her, I said, have you ever been desperate? And she said, no. I said, praise God for that. But there will come a time that you'll be desperate. And that's, that's not me wishing anything bad. I just know how life works and how storms come in and things are out of our control. So some of the young people are here. One thing I, I pride myself on uh, as an exterminator is being proactive. Proactive means to prepare prior to something taking place to make the proper preparations before these pests come. If I seal this thing up and make sure the doors are tight and all the openings are closed, they won't be able to get in. They're gonna have more of a challenge getting in. And I say in the same way to you young people, we need to prepare. You need to prepare because when you're faced with something, you don't wanna be trying to, trying to figure out answers when the truth has already been given to you. So I pray that you receive what's been said here today. And I don't know if you need prayer in this area. There's something that you're facing. You're saying it's been too big for me to handle. It's out of control. I'm out of answers. I don't know what to do. I want to encourage you and tell you that that's where God does his best work is when you've come to the end of yourself and say, Lord, I can't do it anymore. He said, I've been waiting for you to turn it over to me anyway. I've been waiting for you to turn it over, and he does some of his best work when we give it up to him. It's just to cast all our cares on, on him because he cares for us. But how often do we do that? We waste our time banging our head against the wall trying to fix stuff ourselves when all we have to do is get to the Savior. So if you need prayer in that area this morning, I want to ask that you stand. If you need prayer in that area and saying, I've been trying to fix things on my own. I'm not getting the results that I want. 
Lord, I'm ready to turn it over to you. I'm desperate. I'm out of, I'm out of options here. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for what you're going to do in the lives of those saints that are standing. Lord, who's, who's purposing as they're standing before you right now in the congregation to say, I it all up to you. I turn it over to you, Lord. I'm asking you to take full control because only you can fix my situation. So I pray that you would encourage them, Lord, that you would empower them, Lord, that you would give them all the resources that they need. And I stand with them as well. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and you want to say, I want to give my life to Jesus, and it's just simply praying this simple prayer with every eye closed, every head bowed, Father God, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. I repent and ask your forgiveness. Take full lordship over my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, you are now a child of God. You're no longer desperately searching salvation. You have received it. May the body of Christ be blessed. Thank you.